Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. of radio. Jason, this is a very, very special occasion. Now, why would that be, Brendan? I can't possibly think of a reason why. Well... Jason, sweet Jason, sweet, beautiful, naked Jason. Mm -hmm. And I say that because I know you are, because we are in the same room. Oh, my God. It's the reunion that nobody asked for. (laughs) Everybody's like, "Uh, this changes nothing. Yeah, it really does. I mean, an audio podcast. It'd be one thing if we were doing a video podcast, but we don't have those kind of resources because you fuckers don't give us any money. Now, do we have a Patreon? No. But if we did... uh, would you give us money? I don't know. Let us know. Guys, what we're saying is we're going to start sending you out pledge sheets. And they are legally binding. They are legally binding. If and you if you say yes and the dollar amount and you decide to change your minds later, it's going to be like that movie Repo Men with Jude Law where they just repossess your organs wait. if you don't make payments. Wait, wait, wait. There's a movie called Repo Man with Jude Law? It's a long story, Jason. <laughs> there's also a movie called Repo, a genetic opera. Yeah, well, yeah, no, no, but I, I'm thinking, because isn't there, there's the Repo Man, the wrestler, of course, but there's also the movie Repo yeah, Man from with the Emilio, 80s, isn't there? Emilio Estevez, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm not crazy. You're not, but but Jason, usually this time there's a guest or somebody that you brought in. Is that the case this week? <sighs> yeah, it's a bullshit bit I do all the time, isn't it? A uh, bit? Yeah, yeah, let me let me dig through my head and see who's going to be here today. Oh, uh, what impression can Jason do today? Uh, let me see. Uh, who haven't I done in a while? Um, ladies and gentlemen, comedian Jeff Foxworthy. Well, how you doing, Brandon? Did you know that if you were the third one through the bat fodder, that you might be a redneck? <laughs> Okay, thank thank you for opening with one of your bits, Mr. Foxworthy. If you, if the most commonly heard phrase in your household is somebody go jiggle the handle, then you also might be a redneck. Wait, wait a second, wait a second, Jason, Jason. Yeah. Um, okay, I knew something was off because yeah. I know Jeff Foxworthy's not dead, and I'm looking right now, and there seems to be an on-off switch on his back. Did you bring a Jeff Foxworthy toy? Uh, well, I mean, I don't know if I call it a toy. Uh, it's it, it's a quite Sophisticated piece of technology. This like is it. the Jeff Fox bot. Okay. Uh, it, uh, when I was a kid, Brendan, growing up, one of the things that really influenced me comedy-wise... 48. Bes- 
Besides, of course, J- Jeff Foxworthy's album Games Rednecks Play was the uh, Redneck A Day calendar, which I would get a redneck joke every day for 365 days. So when the opportunity came to purchase a Jeff Foxworthy robot, I was there, number one, pre-ordered, kickstarted, and now I have it. Well, will the Jeff Foxworthy, will the Jeff Fox bot please see his way out? I ain't leaving. I got more jokes for you. If you have a home that is mobile and 14 cars that aren't, guess what? You might be a redneck. Jimmy Stewart bot. Jimmy Stewart bot. Please get in here. My family had a peeing contest off the balcony, which I'm ashamed to say I lost to my Aunt Rose in the second round. Oh, you get out of here. And I said, what are you going to do with 150 shower caps? And she said, Christmas presents. Jimmy Stewart bot is just like, he can't move them. What, what, did, what is Jeff Foxbot made out of? Well, it's mainly lead. Oh, okay. so great. Lead. So I'm, He's very heavy. I've been breathing him in all weekend. Yeah, I know. That's not good. That's not good. Well, you know what? I just wanted to introduce you to this, this, this device of mine because I, you know, we all like to pretend that we're, you know, all smart and stuff, and we love our, like, our highbrow Paul F. Tompkins or our, our, you know, our alternative David Cross and Janine Garofalo, but sometimes you just need a redneck joke, and Jeff Foxworthy provides, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Jeff Bott, you can now uh, leave the room. Well, before I go, uh, Jeff Bott, I got to tell you one more redneck joke that I got to think about. Uh, uh, if you are a person who has a family tree that does not fork, guess what? I might be a redneck. Yes, right. That's right. You might be a redneck. Goodbye, folks. I'm on out of here. And the bot is gone. Thank goodness. I mean, that's the thing. We we certainly couldn't have Jeff Foxworthy on because he's not dead. And he's very smart. He's a smart man. He's well, still alive. I thought you were just giving me some terrifying news right no. to start off this episode. No, no, he he remains alive. Unfortunately, on the on the day of this recording, we have lost uh, Gallagher. Yeah, uh, and uh, it's sad because unfortunately, without Gallagher, then the only person that will be smashing watermelons, Brendan, will be Gallagher too, who I I suppose now has been uh, promoted <laughs> to Gallagher one. He's gonna take his dad's name in tribute, <laughs> brother. Uh yeah, Jason. Um, we we're both we we both had many substances inside our bodies tonight. Yeah, we've been drinking a lot. Uh, <laughs> we've been smoking some weed. Uh, and that's fine because we are here for you, the people, and we've decided that that we should share this situation with you because we, we we know you love when we get hammered. We know you loved our whiskey galore episode. We know you loved our Avengers episode. So here we are. We're not quite that drunk yet, but it could change. <laughs> it just made me realize how insane the. <laughs> the range of movies we covered when you said, you know our Whiskey Galore episode? Yeah. You know our Avengers episode? Honestly, Whiskey Galore was a movie that, that demanded that we drink whiskey, and Avengers was just, that was the only way we were going to get through it. <laughs> Guys, Avengers, Uma Thurman, Ray Fiennes, not a great movie. No. But this is a great podcast. This is a great podcast. Uh, uh... <laughs> What? We haven't even told people what it is yet, so we have to assume that this isn't your... I hope this isn't your first episode, because if it is, I'm sorry. <laughs> if this is your first episode, go listen to another one. Yeah. Um, but this is uh, this podcast has a name, and it's, yeah. of course, for screen... And country. And Jason, what are we doing on this podcast? Well, well I'll tell you. First off, i got to introduce myself. I'm Jason, and you, sir, are Brendan. Uh, that is correct. Now, on this podcast... Talk about British films on the Empire Top 100 British Film list. 
Uh, we've done other things, of course, like uh, sucked each other's dicks live on air. Which was a lot, 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 lot like sound-wise wasn't great for podcasting, but I think we were, we're closer because of it. I mean, I, I think I thought it was a pretty good ASMR. That's true. That's true. Some people like that stuff. Um, <laughs> what was I saying? You were talking about what we are. We're a podcast, yes. and we talk about British films. We've talked about the BFI. We've talked about some Canadian films because, you know, we're part of the British Empire. But now we are talking about the Empire Top 100 British Films of All Time list, at least the portion of it which we have not already watched because there was a good 60%. 65, 66 movies that uh, we're already, we've already watched. So we're right. watching the remainder, and we're doing it for you, the listener. Yes, indeed. And we're, we're slowly putting together our own mega list. Yes, our new revised list because the BFI clearly has no interest. Not to be confused with the MAGA list. That's, no, that's, a, different, that's a different list. That's that Jason's is, uh, political ideology. That's, uh, that's uh, 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 2025 is the top of that list. Can't wait. Can't wait to go through that list. That's what we do. That's, that's, that's the fuck what we do. That's what you, the fuck we do. You guys are smart. You get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but this week, uh, before well, this week we're going to talk about a, a little film out of uh, the year 2000 called Billy Elliot. But before we get to that, you know, this week we're going to talk about The Boy Who Could, but we got to talk about last week's movie featuring The Boy Who Lived. So let's talk about Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Comment section. Comments. Like sands through the hourglass, so are the words of our listeners. Wow, that was really smart for you, Brendan. Poop. There we go. That's the Brendan I know and love. Thanks, buddy. We got comments. Hey, hey, Brendan, why don't you go ahead and read the first one for us here? I will start us off, Jason. Our first comment is from Jacob Chavez. And Jacob says, I love it. In my opinion, it does its job perfectly. It sets out to finish a decade-long franchise in a fulfilling way and succeeded. I mean, I'd agree with that. Like, taken as a whole, this is a pretty fulfilling ending to a movie for the most part. Whole. Whole. Ah, that's a band. It is. A, well, it was a band. Is it still a band? I don't know. Hey, Whole. Whole. Are you still there. a band? Get at us on uh, Man- Manatee. What is it? Mastodon? Uh, Not Manatee. No, it's a, no, no. The new hotness is Hive. So check us out on Hive. I got the same handle on Hive. I'm over there waiting. Please, please. I've yeah. been followed by a couple of games journalists and wrestling sites. I don't know why, but that's that's the depths of the algorithm, unfortunately. Check me out on Hive at Elon Musk. Hey, that's a good uh, handle. Our next yeah. comment, Brendan, comes from Holden Martinson, who writes... Catcher in uh, the Rye himself. Catcher in the Rye himself says, Splitting it was ultimately the right idea, but I'd argue it's the worst of the main Harry Potter series, while other young adult adaptations with the split are often less justified in being bifurcated. Deathly Hallows Part 2 is the one that most feels like an episode of television. It's a perfectly fun, good movie, but I don't know. I could have waited another year for this. Were they that close together? I mean, they were, yeah, I, I like think it less... was within six or eight months of each other. Oh, was it? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It was like a Back to the Future uh, type situation. That makes sense if you look at the budget being $250 million for both parts. Yeah, that's a um, big one. Yeah, leaving less time in between probably made the marketing cost less, too. I mean, on one hand, though, could they could they not have done this as a roadshow and showed it with an intermission? Uh, sort of like an it's overture? a... 
it, it's it's a hairy, 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 hairy world. That's right. That's what oh, they, sorry. That's be, what they would have called it. it would, no, no. It, I'm, I apologize profusely. It would be called "It's a Hairy, 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 Harry Potter." True. Yes, and and with with of course because it would be a big that would be like a big travel movie. We'd have a bunch of cameos, including Harry of Harry and the Hendersons fame, yeah. and Harry the Hat from uh, Night Court. Yeah, all the Harrys. Um, Harry, uh, whatever his last name is from Home Alone. Um, uh, I don't know. Did Harry and Marv have last names? Harry Styles, of course. Uh, yes. uh, Newly single. Uh, oh yeah, are you plugging that or? Yeah, I'm. I'm working. I'm working for Harry now. I'm trying to help him get his feelers out there. He's. Uh, the, we're, we're working on a reality television show. Did you? Do you remember a show called Who Wants to Marry a Multimillionaire? Do I? Absolutely. Well, we're bringing that back, and Harry Styles is going to be the guy, and we all know he's rich, so there's well, no problem there. And I mean, that show's track record speaks for itself. I mean, Absolutely. that that show creates families. It was the perfect show, one and done. Never needed to do another one <laughs> until now. They did only do it once, didn't they? They did, yeah, for good reason. <laughs> I watched the whole thing. Oh, my. Oh, man. Okay. But yes, to, to Holden's comment, yes, I agree as well. Uh, I think it's a great end of the series, but as a film, yes, it does feel like an episode of television. It feels like the you know the, the, the season finale in that way mm-hmm. uh, because it's all kind of crammed in there, and it doesn't mean much if you haven't watched what already happened. I don't know why he needed to wait another year for it, uh, unless he was implying that they needed an extra year to cut it down to make it one movie. Which no, I think he means like there could have been more time in between. Like he didn't uh, need to didn't need to uh, be released like a few months later. Oh well, I mean, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, uh, Dame Sharon Horwat comments says, "I remember really liking it at the time, but I haven't rewatched it in its entirety since I saw it in theaters." The only part I have watched from this movie multiple times is the stuff with Snape's memory of Lily, which is funny because in that episode, I stood on my soapbox and yeah. said that I thought that scene maybe wasn't the most cinematic thing about that movie. Mm-hmm. But I, I, and as I argued, it was it was necessary, and it was something oh, sure. that was a long time coming for fans of the books and movies. But you know what, Jason? Reading is kind of like right-wing politics. We don't need it. Literacy is overrated, Brendan, and I think that's the message of this podcast. Ultimately, is that fuck off with the reading, guys. We yeah. got movies now. Huh? If we it, the next time we do a movie based on a book, um, I am going to just up and leave. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. We're, we're done. We're done with it. Done with uh, it. This is better than the book because there were no words that I had to make sense of. Exactly. Or, or words that you then pronounce one way in your head and then say it out loud, and everybody laughs at you. Right. Books hurt my feelings. <laughs> Books hurt. Books hurt, folks. Books hurt. Books hurt. Our next comment comes from Robert Cole. Books hurt! Our next comment. It's true! Books hurt! Man, War and Peace would really hurt, though, if you hit hit someone in the head with it. Yeah, of of all the books, War and Peace, that, you know, man. But, like, you know, famous uh, Jewish African-American politicians from the 1860s, like a leaflet, probably wouldn't hurt as much. Not as much. What leaflet are you talking about? Uh, it's famous Jewish African American politicians from the 1860s. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, oh, I, I thought you meant uh, a leaflet written by uh, <laughs> such people about Jewish or African Americans in the no. 1860s. No, now you're going into a scary area. So yeah, let's uh, let's move on. <laughs> let's not get ourselves in trouble. Bobby Cole, media star Bobby Cole, writes in. Okay, Robert Cole, and he says about this movie, I liked it on the whole, but. <laughs> I still remember the groans from the audience at the end when Harry says his kid's full name. 
Somehow, nobody realized his kid's initials spelt out ASP, which is a type of snake. Now, Robert, I would argue that J.K. Rowling is precious enough that she absolutely thought about that because, as we know, Harry Potter, uh, Parseltongue, can speak to snakes. So why wouldn't he have a little, uh, you know, a little uh, reference to a snake in his child's name? Now, that to me implies that we should have a, a series about Harry's son, who it turns out, real asshole. He's a snake. Mm. He's a weasel. He's, a, he's a, the protege of uh, the late Bobby Heenan. Oh, okay. He's a wrestling manager. Oh, Harry Potter's son is a wrestling manager, but it's wrestling in the wizarding world. And is wrestling in the wizarding world a work? That's the name of the movie. Is wrestling in the wizarding world a work? I feel like wrestling in the wizarding world, the the constant criticism would be like, oh, look, it's the fucking invisibility cloak spot again. Here we go. It'd be like that version, like the Wizarding World's version of like a like a dusty finish or something. He just he, he, he the the cowardly manager like is about to get attacked and he just apparates out of the theater like a fucking coward. <laughs> oh no! One, two, wait! Whoever he stopped his count. Where'd he go? Where'd he go? Oh no! Me and the entire audience have been sent into a dimension of of hallucination and horror. I have a family. That doesn't belong to you. <laughs> that wizard cloak don't belong to you. Okay, but yes, yeah, no, I, I I get it, Robert. Absolutely. I mean, I I, I do have, like that scene, but yes, the, his name his name is a bit much. It's a mouthful, and it just feels like it's a hand job at the end of that series. I uh, I honestly didn't even notice when I watched Elbus. the movie. Uh, no, I didn't notice either until he pointed it out. But yes, one hundred percent, J.K. Rowling thought about that. Our next comment is from Graham Hill, who says, I think. Like all of the Harry Potter movies, it does a really good job of being faithful to the source material. Whatever they did at this point wasn't quite going to match the hype. 99% of the audience knew how it would end. I enjoyed it all up to the last five minutes where they did the aging of the main characters. I don't think that was handled well. Thank you, Graham. Divisive, that uh, that uh, scene in the movie. Quite divisive. Dumb. Dumb. If mm. they had cut that last... I'm not saying it ruins the movie, but if they cut the last five minutes out, it might be like a whole half star better. <laughs> <laughs> really what, if, what if you give it another like five, ten years, and you go back and you refilm that scene with all the original actors, so that they're of a more appropriate age? Yeah, because that's my favorite thing to do with films is just a George Lucas thumb. Well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying bury it in the desert. I mean, ha- have the option on the uh, the Hollow Cube or whatever movies are on at that point, and you can just choose a branching option for the ending you want. That's all George had to do, and he could have changed the movies to his heart's content, and nobody would have cared. Take all, take all these old versions and and bury them in the in the, in the tundra of Hoth. I, I'm a big fan of J.J. Abrams. Can we add a lot more lens flare to the Star Wars trilogy? You're turning into Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> George Lucas <laughs> is starting into Jimmy Stewart. Oh. When I made Empire Strikes Back, <laughs> I played Darth Vader. Oh, I would love that. Um, <laughs> just the voice, though. Okay, so <laughs> what's our last comment, Jay- uh, Jason? Our last fucking comment. You it better be a good one, motherfucker. It's a good one, I-, I think. Uh, so Corey Buckler comments, and he says, Splitting up was definitely a good choice. I just think five to eight are so bland compared to one to four. And eight is probably the most bland of them all. I think David Yates just turned in a corporate tick box without any style. At least the first four had a real director stamp on each one. Other than a few things here and there, eight feels like it could have been made by a computer. Yeah, you know what? He makes a good point. I hadn't really thought of that. But yeah, I mean, maybe, and maybe that's because David Yates directs all those three final movies, but they don't feel nearly as unique as uh, the first four. I mean, the first two are, uh, are clearly uh, 
Christopher Columbus movies, very much yeah. so. And that changes substantially with Quaron, and then that changes with the uh, the fourth one with the director's name, I forget. Well, and um, I just think, yeah, I think just David Yates, and as much as I did like this movie, I think David Yates is like the safest choice. Yeah. You I know, mean, they wanted to get someone who wouldn't put up too much of a fight. <laughs> Exactly. Um, he wasn't gonna. He wasn't gonna. He was gonna do what he was told for the most part. And and I mean, and nothing against his movies; they're great. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I just I do agree though that the first four, certainly the third one, um, have a lot more like cinematic flair. Yeah. Woo! A flair for a, the gold, baby. Little, little Easter egg for you wrestling fans. It's the most obvious Easter egg. It's a little little Easter egg for you friends. Well, maybe, maybe this obscure thing will get you. Brother, oh, it's a little just just for you wrestling fans. Wink, wink. The Rock says, "Know your role." That's a little inside baseball for you guys. You Rudy Pooh candy ass. Now that might be a little bit more inside baseball. <laughs> but there you go. Those are the comments. We are going to move on, though. We are going to talk about this week's film, which is, of course, the coming of age tale of Billy Elliot. Mm, Billy Elliot. He's a boy who likes to dance, and that's okay, because dancing is cool if you like it. But if you don't, then maybe shut your mouth and let Billy Elliot dance. It's the 80s, and people are taking a conservative attitude because they've got a president named Reagan and a prime minister named Thatcher and another prime minister named Mulroney. And everybody is very buttoned down and economic, and they want to make money, but they don't want to experience art. So okay. take this from Billy Elliot, <laughs> who is the man who wishes to die. It's Billy Elliot. God fucking damn it. I feel like I just learned all of England's history. I mean, that was what was my hope. <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. We're talking about Billy Elliot, a 2000 British coming-of-age comedy drama directed by Stephen Daldry and written by Lee Hall. Now... Brendan, has Stephen Daldry done anything else of note? Uh, nothing that we've covered on the podcast, but mm. he has uh, received uh, several Oscar nominations. Uh, he also directed two movies, uh, one called The Hours and The Reader. Was The Hours the one with Nicole Kidman as uh, somebody? I th- <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it's a lot of movies. Do you mean like Nicole Kidman and um and and uh, Meryl Streep? Was that the one where she had a fake nose? Uh, yes. Was she Sylvia Plath? No. Virginia no, I Woolf. Think, I think Nicole Kidman plays Virginia Woolf in okay. that movie. Okay. Yeah, confirmed. She does. Anyway, okay. he did the hours and he did the reader. The reader was the Kate Winslet Nazi movie. Ooh, Kate Winslet. Ooh, Kate Winslet as a Nazi. That's a fascinating thing, isn't it? Okay, why are you? Why does it sound like you're doing like one of those intelligent comedy bits? <laughs> That's a fascinating thing. Kate Winslet as a Nazi. Let's well, uh, I mean, how would Titanic have been different if that character had been a Nazi? <laughs> Maybe you wouldn't have felt the same at the end of the movie when she's on that board. <laughs> and Leo was a Jewish person. Okay, okay, guy. I just want to mention that. Uh, uh, just want to mention of note, uh, Jamie Bell in the lead role in this movie mm-hmm. as Billy Elliot, and of course Julie Walters is also in this movie. We know her, Sandra Wilkinson. She's an old friend of ours, Julie Walters. She is. 
personal friend. Yes. Um, but yeah, and this so this is a movie. This is called Billy Elliot. Now, Jason, had you uh, had any knowledge of this film? I knew it existed. I knew that it was a big deal back in the year two thousand. Year two thousand. Um, and I knew it was about a boy that liked to dance. But beyond that, I, I, I mean, I knew that actually. I think at some point it was turned into a musical, and it did really well in the West End and yes. probably on Broadway. Um, but no, I, I had never seen it, so I wasn't really familiar with the actual movie itself. Okay. What about you? Um, I think I had seen it. Once yes. way back, um, probably not long after it came out on VHS, likely on VHS, or maybe a few years later on like the movie network. I think, I think okay. that's where I might have seen it. But yeah, I, I having watched it this time, which by the way, guys, we watched only minutes ago. Yes, um, both of us together. Well, by minutes ago, it is currently <laughs> just seven after midnight, so like two hours ago. <laughs> I, guess, I guess it took a while for us to set up. It did. It did. We, we got there though. I mean, we've been drinking, so it, it took a little extra time. But we're here. <laughs> we're here. We're queer. Get used to That's it. That's right. You get used to it, brother. <laughs> so, I don't know why you keep wanting to be Hulk Hogan, but <laughs> who doesn't? Uh, a lot of people. <laughs> Hulk Hogan for one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yes, yeah, so Billy Elliot, it's, uh, uh, that, that's, that's our knowledge going into this movie. I knew what the plot was, obviously, like, I knew the, ba- uh, I remembered the basic premise, but Jason, tell us, um, just briefly, I guess, uh, what Billy Elliot's all about. Well, Brendan, Billy Elliot is your average lower class kid growing up in England in the early 80s. Uh, his father is a coal miner, and this is during the coal strike. Of 1984-1985. So he's just trying to do his thing. His dad is a pretty manly guy, and he's sending him to boxing lessons. But Billy, you know, he's 11. He's kind of he's kind of skinny. He's not exactly boxing material. So at the but it turns out one day because the downstairs floor is being used for a soup kitchen for the striking miners during this mine strike. The ballet class is uh, sent up to the boxing gym and they're allowed to use half of it. And this is where Billy discovers that ballet seems far more interesting to him than boxing. Mm, But wait a second, Jason. That's what girls do. That is what girls do. But it turns out that no, boys can do it as well. Oh. Yeah. And so Billy starts uh, taking his 50p and paying it to the ballet teacher rather than the boxing teacher and he starts to learn and really become fond of ballet yeah yeah and it turns out he's actually pretty good and over the course of the movie we find uh the his teacher suggests that he audition for the royal ballet school because despite the fact that you know you know she's a She's a local ballet teacher, so she's not maybe not the greatest ballet teacher in the world, but she recognizes in him a talent that suggest uh, because she says to him like, "Look, the ballet school will teach you how to do ballet. They just need to know that you've got the dance inside you. You've got the the music in your soul." That's not what she says literally, but that's how I took it. <laughs> I believe it was that was the exact dialogue. <laughs> so, about. Uh, ba- uh, so Billy, of course, uh, uh, learns ballet, but turns out his manly dad, who's a minor, uh, isn't too happy about that. Weird. Yeah, doesn't like it. Doesn't like him doing it. Uh, is afraid he's a poof. Uh, mm. And 
but you know, it's not what men do. That's what girls do. Men play football and mine coal and then die. Beat their wives. Beat their wives. Uh, drink lots of <laughs> lager and and cause trouble. No, uh, <laughs> you can't do ballet. But Billy pushes back against this paradigm. He continues to take lessons in secret, mm-hmm. and he's quite good. And his teacher says, "You got to do this audition." Uh, and it eventually comes to a head where Billy is confronted by his father and he does a, a super like strong, confident dance. And dad realizes that, wait, this kid has a chance to get out. He doesn't have to be a coal miner and that could be great for him. And so dad kind of comes around on it and, you know, the brother thinks that he's, uh, uh, his brother Tony thinks that he maybe, maybe isn't so manly for doing it, but he comes around too. Yeah. And, and when they come around, the whole town comes around and they like run a raffle for him and everything. And he goes and he auditions. And you know what happens, Brennan? What happens, Brennan? He gets the audition. Oh, shit. He gets the role. He nails it. He gets in the school? Despite the fact that he punches another kid randomly for, you know, being concerned about him. Mm-hmm. He gets there. And he becomes the dancer that we all know and love to this day, Billy Elliot. Cultural icon. That's well, basically the movie. You you can find us on all the podcast apps, but our home base, of course, is ageofradio.org slash for screen. And country. And no, Brendan, we have show. more to talk about. Oh, okay. I mean, I assume we do. There's more to that. I mean, that, that was, you know, I'm, I'm, um, I'm not a summary guy. 35 but. millimeter film, yep. uh, 110 minutes in length. 185 to 1 aspect ratio, <laughs> I assume. I don't, I don't think it was super widescreen. I don't think it was 235. Rated R for strong language. Yeah, he says fuck a lot. No, but Jason, come on, we we got we we do we got this. This is this movie takes place in 1984. Yes, and I just want you to maybe, I know you have a little more knowledge, well, a decent amount more knowledge than I do, mm. but to place this in history because you said there was a coal mining strike. Yeah. We, straight, we got Reagan in the U.S. We got uh, uh, Mulroney in Canada. Yeah. We've got uh, I almost said Trudeau. <laughs> We've got uh, uh, Thatcher in the U.K. So what is going on? Fucking Margaret Thatcher is running the show in the UK, and this was in a period where they re- the government really decided to crack down on trade unions, and this was a strike that was a, a, a depending on who you talk to, perhaps an illegal strike, but I don't believe an illegal strike exists. I think if you're getting fucked, you should walk out and fucking tell the boss who is really boss, which is the workers. Folks, listen to me. You gotta understand... <laughs> When workers make all the stuff and then the guys at the top get all the money, that's a problem. Sure, the guy that has all the money to start, that's something. He's taking a risk. Perhaps he deserves a profit. But does he deserve most of the profit? I don't think so. Agreed. Agreed. What movie were we talking about? <laughs> Brastoff. Brastoff is a great movie with lots of singing. No, um, uh, like I, be- I bet that's all you remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess there wasn't really much singing. It was more like brass, brass work. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> I guess that, that movie's out of your head. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's about the music. There you go. You remember the Chumbawamba. That's right, I do. Yeah, sorry. So... Jason, you said this was so just during that time. So there was a coal miner strike by the workers' unions, and eventually they backed down, right? They, they did eventually they, back down. It's one of those things where they eventually gave in and uh, they went back to work, and I assume didn't get much gains from it. And that's unfortunate because that weakened the kind of trade union's position 
in England. And we can see that in the modern world where unions do not nearly have the pull they once had. Mm. And we all suffer for it. Yes. So support your local union, folks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so that's where we are in history. Now, I think we've, I don't, I, th- I feel like we've been here several times. Well, I know we, Brassoff. Brass, well. Full Monty? I would say Full Monty, we were there. I think Full Monty was contemporary. I think Full Monty was kind of late 90s. Uh, more likely, like, This is England is a movie that is more okay. in this era. Not Brastoff? I feel like Brastoff was this time period. I would argue that Brastoff was contemporary to when it was made because the see, 90s were the time when the coal mines were kind of finally petering out. See, listen, I win because earlier you you thought they worked on brass. <laughs> you don't remember anything. No, no, I said they, I said they, I, well, what I meant was that they, they use brass, they're like, uh, like, a, they're like a tuba or a trumpet. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Elliot. <laughs> yeah. Fine, gentlemen. That's all I was gonna say. I feel like we've been to maybe not, if not the exact same time period, but definitely a similar setting with you know coal coal miners and um, you know there's a, there's a people are having a hard time finding jobs and all this shit that's going on. And it's usually Thatcher. In fact, I'm despite what you said, I'm pretty sure the full Monty takes place during Thatcher. And I think that uh, Brastoff does as well. But whatever. whatever. I'm just saying. Um, if yeah. nothing else, they definitely deal with the fallout of Thatcher. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just like, you know, it's a common, it's become a common great British movie trope, I guess. Yeah. Fuck Thatcher. Um, not too many pro-Thatcher movies. <laughs> not really. Not really. Not, uh, not great cinematic material, I would say. <laughs> Although the, I mean, I'm sure the Iron Lady like paints her in a somewhat positive light because it's hard to do a biopic type movie and not make that person the protagonist. Mm. Mm. And Meryl Streep is fantastic, and I would watch her in anything. So, Jason, let me ask you this question. Sure, start, ask. Start me. us off about this movie. Yeah, uh, Jamie Bell okay. as Billy Elliot. Yeah, you got a title character. Fantastic, fantastic performance. The the, the you know the guys like. I think he's what, like fourteen and uh, playing an eleven-year-old or something. Is he fourteen at the I time? I think something. Okay. Uh, yeah, because he was born in eighty-six. So I guess if this was made in uh, if this was shot in ninety-nine, he'd be thirteen. Yeah, twelve, thirteen. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, great, great. I mean, he's a good dancer. Uh, he really comes across as legit, as far as I'm concerned. Um, uh, I don't know what more to say. I mean, the guy's great. I yeah, mean, and. I mean, maybe we should talk about the uh, the character Billy Elliot himself because you know, okay, he, obviously he's coming from this like lower class working working class background. Working class background. Uh, <laughs> he said working class background. I did say working class background. Let me take that number two. <laughs> Billy Elliot, working class background. Yeah, his dad's a coal miner. His brother's also going to the mine. They are they are they are workers. They are in the union. Uh, they're paying their dues. And they're out on strike because the mine owners are fuckheads who won't pay them a reasonable wage. Yeah, and 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 I, you actually you actually just said this to me earlier mm. when I was at, when um, I was going to say describe Billy Elliot kind yeah. of in, in, in his per- persona, and you said you you described him to me while we were watching the movie as very earnest. Yeah, he's a pretty he's a pretty not, straightforward kid. Not in a know what I mean kind of way. Yeah, no, not in that way. No, he he seems pretty like he's pretty literal. He's you know he, he not a super subtle kid. He just he I I think with Billy Elliot you see what you get. Mm-hmm. 
He doesn't, and that's and that's what I like about people like him. Like they don't they don't fuck around. They don't play games. He's straight up. And it's funny. Well, it's funny too that he would like a character like this would be interested in ballet and the yeah. kind of expressing yourself and stuff because. Uh, when he's even when he's not doing that, otherwise he seems very like not expressive. Like when mm. when you know there's a pivotal moment in the movie where after he's done the dance audition and they're asking him like, "What do you like? Wh- what do you? Why did you uh, punch that kid?" Or like, or, or, sorry, they they're asking him questions about dancing. Yeah, uh, he punched a kid and that's why they're mad at him. Yeah, <laughs> um, but they ask him like, "What do you feel when you dance?" And he just goes like, "Don't know." Don't know. Like, it's just a pivotal moment where he has to impress them, and he's like, don't know. Um, so, he, yeah, again, he's not. Uh, it's just it's just crazy for me because, you know, there's so many things like, oh, this represents this and this represents that in, like, ballet, and for someone so literal to be interested in that. You know what I mean? Someone's so straightforward. Yeah. yeah, because ballet is all about interpretation, but this is but this is the thing. Like, this, this kind of, like, straightforward, earnest kid, like, he finds this thing that, for whatever reason speaks to him. And then, and of course later in that scene, he, when they ask him like, how do you feel when you dance? You know, initially he says, don't know. Yeah. Like he said before, but yeah. he, he's like, I feel like I'm electric. You know, he, he feels like he's flying. He feels like once it happens, once he gets into the flow of it, it just, it is, you know, mm-hmm. like, like it, it, the, the, I would say it's like the flow state thing. Like if I'm a gamer, right? I like to play a lot of video games. And one of the ideas about video games is when you get really good at something and you get into a flow state and it's just like the things just happen. You just, you do this, you do that, you do that. You're like, you're you're just, you're in that moment, in that character, doing that task and it just works. And for Billy, that's, that's what, that's what it's like for him. He just, he gets into that dance and he just fucking goes. Mm -hmm. And that's the ultimate freedom for him. Despite the fact that again, he's not like a super like, you know, he's not talking about like philosophy. He's not like getting into the 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 arcana of the history of dance. He's not like interested in the interpretation of it. He just knows that when he dances, he is free, mm-hmm. and that's cool. And 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 seeing a person get that, like that's the wonderful thing about this sort of movie is why it's so feel good. Is that it's it's a guy finding himself and truly being able to express it despite the adversity, and eventually bringing people around. Yeah, and 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 you know, it's I I feel like it's your it's also your favorite genre. I mean, I do love a coming of age movie. There's no question. Um, and this is one of those, and it's great that way. It's it's, it's wonderful. It's a it's a fun it's a fun trip, watching yeah. a kid find his thing. <laughs> I wish I found my thing. That'd be great. Maybe it's podcasting. Let us know. <laughs> Tweet me. Yeah. <laughs> Email, Before Twitter dies, tweet me. Email, what's my thing? That's my thing. At org. I should really get that address. <laughs> well, I wasn't. I, I know your birthday's next week, but Ooh. I uh, got you something. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Um, yeah, so B- Billy, we talk about Billy, and what I think is really interesting in this movie, mm. yes, there are moments where, you know, and this is a, a word that uh, we probably shouldn't say because it, it's pretty bad in the UK. But mm. uh, Billy's dad uh, looks at him and, you know, sometimes he calls him a poof, which is like a slang term for gay. And well, I don't know that he ever actually specifically calls him a poof, but he implies it. And Billy is the one that's like, oh, you think I'm a poof, do you? Because I want to do ballet. Well, lots of guys do ballet. Yeah. 
Just not here in this coal mining town. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, ultra conservatives. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Like, it, it's, it, it skirts that line where people are going to be like, oh, he's gay, he's gay, he's gay, he's gay. But they don't overdo it as much as you'd think. Well, they, they do address it because he has uh, his best friend Michael, right? Is, well, I is, get, yeah, I was going to get to that. But I just, but I mean, like, just in terms of, like, Billy's journey. Yeah. It's never like it's not a sexual thing. It's it's literally just a it's this is the thing he's found that is speaks to him. Well, I, I just mean like we don't see the reaction from all the all the people in the town thinking that he's gay. Like yeah. they don't overdo that kind of reaction. Yeah, yeah. It's more dad, dad that thinks that, and brother, of course, our Tony. Yes. But but as I said, he does have a friend Michael who's like his best mate and. There's a moment early in the movie where he's telling him about the fact that he's doing ballet, and Michael says to him, oh, do you wear a tutu? And he's like, no, I don't wear a tutu. And he's like, oh, you'd look great in a tutu. And, and at that point, I'm like, okay, I think Michael might have a little something for uh, for Billy here. Yeah, they build it up well, um, because, you know, we have a scene, there was a scene later where Michael is like, Trying on his, uh, his sister's dress and yeah. putting on lipstick and everything. Yeah. And, B- and Billy, Billy reacts to it. I don't know if it's because... He's he's a kid and he's not really understanding. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure he isn't. Or if it's just like I don't know, he's it's a very tolerant reaction to everything. Well, it's a fascinating scene to me because like when Michael answers the door, he's wearing this dress. Yeah, does he <laughs> know he's Billy's like, coming over? Yeah, I think he does. But he's like he's not. It it doesn't. He's not embarrassed by it. He's literally just like, oh yeah, come on in. And we learned in the course of this scene that his dad apparently is a cross dresser. Uh, right. And he's like, oh, yeah, dad, dad thinks, you know, he does it when uh, he doesn't think anybody's around. But I know the only thing I would say, like a wee bit is kind of I don't know. I feel like they may not go this route um, now if this movie's made now. But they, they equate he's a crossdresser to always oh, gay. Yeah. And that's not necessarily the case, of course, in this situation. But clearly this is a kid who is, you know, experimenting. And he's trying, you know, trying on wearing clothes and makeup and stuff. And it turns out, yeah, he is gay. And they have that nice scene. They have that interesting scene where he's like, you know, he's Billy's hands are cold. So Michael mm. grabs him and puts him inside his coat. And he's like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm just warming your hands up. And they kind of talk for a second. He's like, uh, and and he says, are you a puff? See, I thought he put his hands on his dick. That's no, the no, best. No, no, no. That's the my, my brain thing. Yeah. Watch this movie. I was like, did that kid just make that other no. kid touch his? No, dick? No, I I think he literally just pulled his hands inside his coat and kind of put them on his stomach, just oh. like to like inside the coat to warm them up. Just because he when he when he says, "Oh, isn't that cold?" He says, "I quite like it." Yeah, I was yeah, like, "Oh my like god, yeah. yeah, I get a shaft." But Billy says, "Like, are you a puff?" And he's like, "Well, why would you think that?" And then Michael kisses him on the cheek. Yeah, and he's like, "Look, man, just because I'm I'm into ballet doesn't mean I'm a puff." And then Michael kind of like you know he's a little embarrassed, and he guy's like, "Well, you won't tell anybody, will you?" And and uh, in a nice scene, he, Billy just smiles at him, and he's like, "Come on, yeah. let's go." <laughs> and yeah, it's clear he's like. That's what I like about him is that despite this, Billy, they're like, this guy's my friend. I'm not going to fucking blow a spot up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and, and then, then that comes back around that near the end of the movie when Billy, you know, has done this audition and he's gotten it. Spoiler alert. Um, he has to he's getting ready to leave and go to London and he sees Michael. And so he runs up to him and they have a moment and he just kisses Michael on the cheek and he's like, I'll see you soon. Yep. Uh, not necessarily sexual, but just literally just like, I, you're my friend. Here's mm. a little kiss for you. I'll see you soon, man. 
Yeah. And, and then, it's really nice. It's and, really nice. It's really comforting. And then the whole thing later is that we see Michael years later with a boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. We go, we, we see Michael in the theater, and he's kind of dressed up in a more feminine style, and he's got a, a lovely boyfriend, and they're watching the movie, and, and Dad and Tony recognize him. They're watching they, the ballet, you mean? They're watching the ballet, yeah. Sorry, not a movie. The, the ballet. <laughs> they're the, watching the Billy, Billy Elliot. The, it pans out. This is all in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> they're watching the movie of Billy Elliot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they reach over to him, and, and he's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I wouldn't miss this for the world. Yeah. That's awesome. So it's a nice little friendship that we yeah, get there. Absolutely. Um, and as contrast, perhaps to the, <laughs> the relationship he has with his father. Yeah, which is you know, his dad is a tough guy. He's a he's a miner. He's a union worker. You know, he's very socially progressive because he's in the union and he wants to protect his rights, but. He's also, you know, he's one of these guys that's a manly man. And maybe his son doing ballet seems like it's a little bit uh, girly. And God forbid people find out his son is girly because then they'll think he's girly. And then he'll be fucked. Uh, what I really think is interesting about him, too, is he's, he's, he's so proud of, like, being in the union. Yeah. And, you know, being on strike and fighting for the rights and everything. Like, him and his son both go and, like protest and they even throw shit at the the buses going by uh, bringing in the scab workers essentially yeah well at one point tony's literally willing to grab a hammer and go out and fuck some people up yeah that, he's that's so pissed off at this point and, and i don't blame him yeah I, thankfully that gets nipped in the bud but um it's interesting because his journey the father's journey later is when he finds out that bill like he finally comes to the realization yeah. And this is just what Billy wants to do. And like you said, part of that is like, oh, he can have another life outside of this. And I think another part is him just realizing, hey, he just wants to do this. Like, this is just the thing he wants to do. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and you know, he um, he gets him out there and, and, and gets him doing it. But <laughs> I had a point to all this. Did you? Yeah. Well, I, th- I think it's like... I think dad realizes that why should Billy be miserable just because I am like, because I have gone chosen to take this life as a coal miner and go down in the mines and slave away and work away my pay and all this shit. Like why, why should Billy be subject to that? And then of course in con, you know, in remembering the mother that who had passed away, like they realized that this is something that she probably would have, you know, approved of. I was also going to say too, um, he he. Not only does he does he realize, oh, this makes him happy. He changes his mind so much that he realizes he has to raise some money for yeah. Billy to to get to this school. And in the process, he actually goes out and almost is like a scab worker. Yeah, he gets on the bus with the scabs at the beach, and they drive in, and he's on the bus, and Tony sees him, and Tony fucking climbs the fence and goes in to find him, be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And and ultimately he does walk away. He does walk away. He breaks down and cries, and because he's betraying the union, he's betraying the other workers in this. But in this it's situation. conflicted, right? Because he wants to but help yeah. his buddy. His he son. he wants to help his son for sure, and he's willing to he's willing to to sacrifice his fellow workers for his son. And you know what? I get that. You're you're ultimately when you're a parent, I I don't blame you for thinking your kid is the most important thing in the world. Because if I was in your position, I would think the same thing, no question. I mean, I think we both think our kids are. <laughs> Most important in the our world. Our kids, yeah, our kids that we don't know about and we don't know their names, but they're out there. Um, I believe your kid's name is Gracie. <laughs> she is. And mine's Max. Yes, there are little big-eared children. 
<laughs> Guys, we don't have big ear children. They're chihuahuas. They're chihuahuas, and they're cute and wonderful. And if you want to visit them, just come on down. Come on up, and we'll uh, we'll get them together, and you can play with our chihuahuas. Yeah, it's uh, 137 Mountain Road, Hamilton, New Brunswick, E77123. That is completely accurate. This is today. One crazy person's going to go to that address. I don't, like, I don't think there's a Hamilton, New Brunswick, so I think we'll be all right. Well, they're going to find the closest thing they can find. It'll be like Halatonia, New Brunswick. Or Hamilton. <laughs> Hamilton. Halliburton, New Brunswick. Halliburton, baby. So Billy Elliot. Yeah. There's a lot of dancing in this movie. Yeah, yeah, and I think Jason, I think we we go with, with your, went through a few of the characters, but I think the one we really have to talk about we haven't even mentioned yet yeah. is Julie Walters as Julie the Walters. dance instructor. Yeah, she is the driving force behind Billy. She she takes him under her wing, and when Dad decides that you know ballet isn't for this young man, she says like, "Look, I don't care. I think you're talented." Whatever happens, I will privately train you. I'll even pay for you to go to the audition because I think that you can do this. I think you've got it. She sees his talent in him, his raw talent, and understands that while she is, you know, a ballet teacher, she maybe doesn't have the full capacity to truly exploit that talent. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I like that she's like um, that. Her style is not like the stereotypical one. Like it's not like the no nonsense coach for. You know, the one that's like doesn't take any shit and like gets in their face and stuff. But she's also I don't know, it's she's it seems more realistic. It's yeah. like a, it's like if Mike Lee wrote the part. Yeah. You know, it's a legit it's it's a pretty realistic feeling part. And this is in the eighties, so apparently she could just smoke everywhere. She's like smoking cigarettes while she's like teaching these kids to do ballet. And there's actually a really cool scene where Billy comes in. Uh, and it's all kind of in silhouette, and you see her in the distance in silhouette, and you can just see her holding the cigarette. And it's just so like, okay, that's 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 her. That's her in 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 relief. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I yeah, I I I like I like their just like interactions are really fun as they start to get used to each other. Like Billy is um, Billy's made cracking like little jokes here and yeah. there. He started to get better at not being so goddamn literal. Yeah. <laughs> um, another thing I really like, so the look of this movie, one thing that really stands out to me is there's the, the for for one, the montage early on that shows he's getting better. Yeah. He's going through the steps or whatever. What's really cool is they don't just show a montage. They don't just show a collection of scenes. He's getting a little bit better in every scene, blah, blah, blah. Film it, shoot it, edit it, go home. Um, they show... They start intercutting it with him yeah. practicing at home, yeah, which I thought was really interesting. And they show him like falling, you know, at both, like yeah. he's like failing through his practice and also at uh, the thing. And I don't know, it, it kind of puts more, it kind of accomplishes saying like an a whole other thing at the same time of like, oh, not only is he like not doing well because he's still new. Look at how hard he's trying. Yeah, he's at home in his bathroom doing these dances so that he's not seen, and he's knocking shit over, and people are yelling at him in the house, but he's still doing it anyways. And we have that scene where he goes to the bookmobile uh, that is, uh, you know, mobile library, and he's on there, and he finds a book about ballet, and he's looking at it, and the librarian is like, hey, you got a junior ticket. You can't take that out, so put it the fuck back. 
And so thankfully for him, a, a, a serial mooner runs by and flashes his ass at the uh, librarian and she gets distracted. So he steals that book and puts it in his pants and runs away. I thought that was one of the other. I thought that was one of his friends that did that. No, that was just some random guy, I think. And because the police showed up and arrested him. Okay. Yeah, why would his friends do that? <laughs> I don't know. That was not that, Michael. I thought that was a plan. I thought the plan was <laughs> his friend was going to run out moon and run away. So you could steal that book, Billy. We're all behind you. <laughs> Get it behind. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just, I don't know. It, it's interesting that they're cutting back, they're intercutting that rather than just showing like, I, it just says so much more in in little time. It's economical filmmaking. Yeah. It's not just like the typical montage. We're also saying this and this and this. Like it's just putting more information, kind of sandwiching it in a smaller amount of time. It's nice. It's and nice. I, I guess I just described a montage. Yeah, but it's it, there's a lot more failure than your average montage. It's really not until the end of that montage that he kind of all comes together and he's finally able to do that pirouette and not fall over. Yes. Yes. Um, I, I wrote down too, it's almost like a stealth mission montage too. Of Billy, because he's like has to, he has to like be careful when he's going, uh, when he's getting the book, and he has to kind of like sneak into uh, the ballet studio at night and this all that stuff. A, he, he's like a regular solid snake, this kid. Yeah, solid snake. Your mission: should you choose to accept it, perform ballet, do really good. <laughs> I'd watch that. Uh, and then who do I assassinate? Uh, just your fears and anxieties. That's right, and he does. He murders them all. <laughs> uh, we also get so yeah, so that 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 whole thing, um, the montages. We also get a lot of like, okay, we talk about this coal mining strikes. Mm. We do get a lot of like class different uh, differences uh, moments. Yeah, because because we have um, Billy going to his teacher's house and. Uh, she has a daughter, Debbie, who's also uh, uh, in ballet. But I was surprised, by the way, that didn't go anywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's, they kind of they kind of set up some pins that they never knocked down. It, yeah, well, he mounts her at one point. I mean, and she what? touches his face. Very she touches his face. They have a wrestle, and then she offers at one point to show him her fanny, which, of course, if you're familiar with British slang, means her uh, genitals. You know what, though, I I questioned that earlier, and I thought fanny also meant butt, no. but I realize now. Am I thinking of bosom? No, no, fanny. Fanny in uh, North American slang is a butt, but in English slang is a, a vagina. Well, what is bosom? Bosom is a boob. Okay, you're gonna have to teach me all these like weird uh, slang terms, Jason. What's a what's a caca span you do? Uh, well, that's something that you do only when you've had a lot of experience in the field. And what's a bumblefuck Tuesday? <laughs> bumblefuck Tuesday. Let me tell you, Brendan, that's just a good time. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, now I know. Billy Elliot, Billy Elliot. Yeah, keep going. Billy Elliot, Billy Elliot. Oh, oh, a Billy Elliot. That's it. That's all I got. What about the scene where they're, what about when they're doing the dance uh, rehearsals and it's like intercut with um, the protesting, like the, the striking? Yeah, the striking and, and, and having all these cops around with riot shields and they're chasing uh, Tony because he's like one of the main agitators and they're like, they're literally just breaking through houses, chasing him. Like they're violating, I mean, imagine violating all sorts of civil rights. Uh, even in England, which, you know, doesn't have a written constitution, but I, I feel like that's not cool, but they still fucking did it. 
Uh, there's a moment too, by the way, that one of my favorite ways they mentioned the uh, the strikes and the riots going on mm-hmm. is when Billy is talking to that girl. What's her name again? The little kid, Debbie. Debbie. Yeah. And she just has the stick in her hand, yeah. and she's casually running it along a fence. Yeah. And then they're crossing the street, and she's casually running along all the the riot police shields yeah there's just a line of riot police and she's like yeah dragging this stick on the wall and the fence and then she and then they go along walking by these riot police and she's just kind of like casually tapping it on their shields as she's going by which is it's it's not only like it's a funny gag but it's also like how used to this are you yeah if you're able to do this that's <laughs> just what's going on the police are here you know it's just so she does it so casually it's like oh this is like this is the norm over the past like few <laughs> years yeah that's great. <laughs> um, I do like though that um, despite the class differences, you know, you mentioned Dig, he goes uh, he goes to the teacher's house. Well, the the, the big class difference is from the father, who uh, uh, is like intimating that you know, like, hey, these miners they can't get anything better. They should just go back to work. They shouldn't be doing this bullshit. And he's you know being very elitist. It's like, oh well, or just fire them all. Like the coal mines are done. Get rid of them. Well, that, but that, but I'm also saying like they also have issues just like the, you know, oh, just yeah. like a working class family would have because he, 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 doesn't he piss himself? Well, that's what, that's what Debbie says. I, I love Debbie is such an observant child. She's like, yeah, no, dad gets drunk and he pisses himself. And right. Now, that's, that's the thing. The alcoholism. Yeah. And now that they're not sleeping in the same bed, which means they're not having sex. And uh, that's also partially because dad had sex with some random woman from work and they now, think I don't know. Yeah, they think I don't know, but you know I pay attention. Right, that, that's yeah. So the the family unit is not doing well there either. Even though like the exterior of it is very much like, oh, look how much money we have. Look, look at this fancy middle class family. Yeah, and he's he's lost his job. He's already been made redundant, so that's partly why he's drinking. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But yeah, so there, there's there's that, and then and then that leads also to like Billy's blow up at her in that one scene where yeah. he's like saying like, oh, you know, you're just a failed dancer blah 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 blah. nothing i do is right and he even um he even says like you know he mentions their the differences between them he's like you you can do whatever you want i'm poor blah 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 and she slaps him the instructor smacks him that would be that would that would be the end (laughs) that'd be the end of day but in this case she slaps him and then the next scene is him back to work well well, back to practicing in that same scene they realize they kind of understand each other more absolutely because we're seeing like both of them get mad at each other Mm. but not at each other you know like they're not the reason they're mad yeah it's more they're mad because of themselves themselves the situation yeah the thing that they can't change for the most part like what what's billy elliott gonna do about the minor strike yeah nothing Nothing (laughs) what's he gonna do with thatcher like in literally legitimately nothing because he can't vote yeah, and if and if he could, he, I'm sure he would because he'd love his dad to be happy, and then maybe dad would be more likely to accept him earlier in the movie. But no, it takes a while. I feel like he'd be a Trump Junior, where he would, uh, he would he would just vie for daddy's love. Yeah, yeah, everybody wants daddy's love, hmm. but sometimes your dad is a psychopath, and in that in the Trump Junior thing, yeah, so is the son. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> two psychopaths together. <laughs> Not as uh, not as impressive as uh, Martin McDonough's film Seven Psychopaths. Ooh, that's a lot of psychopaths. That's five more than what you said. Absolutely. Um. So there's no psychopaths in this movie. No. But yeah. So it's just it. It kind of everything comes to the head in that uh, in that 
kind of um, argument between him and his instructor. By the way, when they're pursuing Tony, they played London Calling, and that was great. Yes, that's a great song. Um, of course, we the famous scene, I think, in this movie, Jason, I think I knew of even before I watched the movie, was Billy dancing through the street. Yeah, that's like a trailer scene for sure. That, and then like the most representative scene that you, you would see in the media about this movie. But yes, Billy... Uh, but yes, but yes, Brendan, Billy dancing up the street, uh, dancing his heart out. And uh, uh, it's funny later on because we have a scene where he's with his dad and he's dancing down the street and his dad's just like, hey, can you stop that and just be normal? <laughs> it's like, you've, you've accepted him finally. Let him dance, dad. Yeah, come on. Come on. Come on, asshole. <laughs> I do like, too, that uh, when he when he's dancing around, I'm going to put on my little film glasses here, Jason. Sure, please do. Put them on. Uh, do, 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 do. Okay. Uh, don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> you made a noise. Cool. <laughs> um, what he's doing is dancing around town in yeah. that whole sequence. What I find is really interesting is the way it ends is he collides with this basically like piece of sheet metal. Yeah. Um. And it's almost like, it's almost like the movie is like throwing that back at us, like, oh, and don't forget the yeah. this shit's still going on. But what's cool about that too is that that transition in that scene, because he like dances up, he hits the sheet metal, he turns around, and then we pull back, and all of a sudden there's snow in the air, and it's like six months later. Yeah. That's <laughs> a. It's, I love a good transition like that. Do you? Yeah. Well, hey, I I'm a big Battlestar Galactica fan. That that scene in the the season where it like zooms in on Baltar and then it pulls back out in the same shot and it's like one year later. Holy fuck! Come on, that's like crazy. Jason, I gotta ask you as we as we get to the conclusion of the movie, um, and Billy's dad finally accepts him and everything. Yeah. Uh, and the whole town, I guess, it, it steps in line. There, there's a bit of a weird, like, immediate shift, like, where everybody's kind of like, oh, look at this little poof. Uh, once Dad is on board, everybody else comes around. And even George, the boxing instructor, is willing to, like, do a raffle to raise money for him. Do you think this is like a Wicker Man town and Dad's like the Christopher Lee of the of the bunch? I think that's a reasonable thing to think. <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> we get to the ending, and the dad, we towards the ending... When he gets accepted, I think it's when he gets accepted. He yeah. finds that he's accepted the ballet academy. Is it is it that when we cut to the dad running up the street? Yeah. Yes. And it's the same. They mirror the shot. Yeah. Yeah. Of when Billy Elliot was dancing in the street. And, of course, the dad's not dancing. Dad's but not he's, dancing, but he's just running up the street and he goes street. into the hall where everybody is and he like screams. He's like, he did it. He fucking got accepted. And they're all just like. Yeah, but the union caved, and now we're going back to work, and, and that's just we get an, nothing. And that's just another scene that's just the back to a crushing reality. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, and then the next shot of that is everybody going into the elevator, just yeah. lowering down. It's like, oh man, well, Billy Elliot might end up having a great life, but his fucking dad's not gonna have one. Dad's back to breathing coal dust every day. Which, I mean, which I found out uh, they they later learned is actually pretty good for your health. Oh yeah, no, it's great. It cleans your lungs right out. It's like it's, when you put it's like when you put a charcoal filter in a cigarette. It makes it fine. Right. <laughs> uh, Jason, are there any other big things you want to mention before we move on? Uh, no, I I just like the end of the movie that Billy when he leaves, you know, his dad is like crying and like sends him off, and he's trying not to show it, but it's clear he's emotional. And even his brother, you know, who's not crying, you can definitely see the tears in his eyes starting to form as Billy drives off. And it's a nice moment that these two guys have finally come around to support him. 
because that's not something that you know necessarily would happen with working class folks in the past uh, with a son that wanted to do something quite as artistic as that way. So it is. It is a. This is definitely a feel good movie that ends on a feel good note. All right. Well, on that note, Jason, we will now take a bit of a break, and uh, we're gonna hear some ads, and we will be right back. Age of Radio. I'm dancing. Look at me. I'm dancing. Ted dancing. I'm Ted dancing. I'm Tony Danza. I'm Tony dancing. To- Tony. I'm Tony dancing. I'm Ted Danzos. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now bits and bobs and bits bobs and bits and bobs and bits and bobs and bits and Bob's and podcast. It's Bob's. Thank you, Brennan, as usual. Uh oh no, I just got here. Did someone sing the song for me? Oh well, somebody did, and I was very happy about it. Oh cool. Uh, at the beginning of the movie, in the opening credits, Billy is listening to a song and he's jumping up and down. He's not dancing. He's just jumping up on a trampoline and is like, I could do that. Wait, so your note is like, fuck you, I could do that. Yeah, fuck you, I could do that. But you, you, this dancing guy? No, you're not even dancing yet. You're just fucking jam- jumping on a trampoline. Come wow. on. Jason got hot under the collar right away. Uh, he goes to serve breakfast to Grandma at one point, but she's gone. So Grandma's got some issues, uh, some sort of dementia perhaps, and he has to drag her back home. That's kind of his responsibility, uh, seems to be, to take care of Grandma. I like how that's a thing that just like adds texture to his... Uh... To his family and to his kind of his, his situation, but it doesn't it doesn't ever become like a focus point. No, but but Grandma also is like she constantly talks about like how she could have been a professional dancer. So he's sort of following in her footsteps, I suppose. Yeah, like, we learned that Mom is dead. There's a coal strike. There's fucking scabs everywhere that are trying to take the work of the good working union men of Britain. Uh, he's supposed to box, but he's not good at it. Oh, here's a fun bit that I remember. So we were watching the movie, and there's an advertisement in the movie for like a washing machine, and the 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 slogan on it says something like, uh, "It's like uh, your your wash a day slave every day," describing their washing machine as a slave. And I don't think that that's appropriate, folks. Don't describe your appliances as slaves. They are inanimate objects. They have no free will, so they can't be slaves. A sl- slave. C- Slavery and slave as a as words carry such weight. Absolutely, that so I don't believe we should use them. Not in advertisements, certainly. Yeah. At one point, Billy, when he's dancing, he says to his teacher, "He says I feel like a sissy," mm. and she replies with, "Well, then don't act like one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Suck it up, princess." I wonder if the movie though, 
One thing that does feel very 2000 about this movie yeah. is that they did have to have a point to to nail it home when Billy is like, oh, yeah, I'm dancing, blah, 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 but I'm not gay. I'm not gay. Like, did you find, though, a little bit? Like, it a little bit of that. It, just, it, it wasn't, like, egregious. It wasn't like, you know, oh, my God, this movie's so dated but poorly. It's, it's, it's more just, like, the assumption you have to kind of, you have to specifically say at some point that this guy who is a ballet dancer is not gay. That's what I mean. Like yeah. they, they almost didn't. They almost didn't need to put that. You now know. What let's, I mean? uh, and to be fair, lots of gay ballet dancers. Then that's fine. May, maybe greater than the general population. Certainly, the gay belly dancers too. You think gay belly dancers all over the place? That's oh. a show I want to see. <laughs> Wait, what? Just, give me, give me all the gay belly dancers. Would it just be called gay belly dancing? Yeah. I mean, why would you call it anything else? You want to get people in the seats, right? If you tell them what it is, they're going to come. And this week's episode, hosted by television star Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> That's right. Oh, Billy gets called a wanker at one point by the guy that plays the piano for the uh, uh, ballet teacher. I thought, come on, man. When we watched that, Jason looked at me and said, wait, who was, who was yeah, that guy? I didn't even know who that guy was. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy just randomly calling Billy a wanker? And then the scene later is like, oh, no, he's the piano player. I just walked in. <sighs> they have that wrestling scene uh, between Billy and Debbie, and it's funny because they, they get into it and they have a pillow fight, and then uh, she strokes his face. It looks like they're going to kiss, but instead she just strokes his face, and she and Billy's like, oh, well, this proves you're weird. <laughs> and then and then he's called to leave, and he just leaves her in a pile of feathers. And mother's, As, Mother won't be happy about that. Well, I mean, Jason... Um... I mean, come on. We're both men. We're both we're both honest here. How many women have you left in piles of feathers over the years? Well, more than I can count, to be fair. But uh, to be uh, uh, so you know. But we've all been there. Um, I really laughed at the scene where Billy he's sitting in the car talking to uh, his teacher about like the audition and stuff, and he kind of earnestly looks at her at one point and goes like. Uh, wait, do you fancy me? <laughs> and she's like, uh, no, Billy. Surprisingly, no, I don't fancy you. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he's very, again, he's very earnest about it. Very earnest about it, yeah. Uh, what else do I got here? Uh, oh, what's that crazy fucking bridge they go on? It's like, it's like they, it, 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 it's like a ferry, but they're like on this thing hanging from a bridge. I didn't look it up. Uh, I would like to know what that deal is because it looks like a bridge on top, but it's not. It's like a, uh, 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 it's like got a hanging platform that the cars go on like a ferry and it takes it across and it's very strange. Britain, tell me what's up with this fucking bridge. Britain, get at Jason. Get on it. He once hallucinates and sees his mom, mm -hmm. and she's in the kitchen and telling him like to put the milk away. And actually, that's one of the one of the more like kind of uh, vulnerable moments of this movie when he's talking about his mom and he's like, you know, sometimes I I, I see her, uh, or, or really the the biggest hurt is when I I remember her randomly. Like I I, I it's like I've kind of forgotten about her death, and then I'll think about her, and that's when it hurts the most. Yeah, you know, it's like oh, it's just it's heartbreaking. But Billy, he feels the music. He's a dancing fool. Uh, dancing fool. Dancing fool. Dad has a crying moment at Christmas, which is understandable. His wife's gone. Uh, uh, and maybe that's part of him thinking about Billy and Billy's desire to do something different besides be a coal miner. 
Dad says hard out for his dad. His dad changes his mind. Everybody's on board real quick. He takes Billy to London and he punches that kid because that kid's just trying to comfort him. He does the audition and he doesn't feel like it went well and he's kind of in a bad mood. And the kid's like, hey, what's up? What's going on? Are you okay? And he fucking punches him in the mouth. Uh, and Jason, exciting news coming out of the live of live things that are dropping while we record this episode. Yeah. Uh, Democratic Senator Mark Kelly wins the Senate in Nevada. Oh, well, that's cool, I guess. Arizona is what I meant to say. Yeah, so that's pretty much all I've got, Brendan. It was a, it was a fine film. What Anything else you need to say? Um, well, let's, let's talk about some uh, behind the scenes. All right. Because, you know, there were some scenes and we want to know what was happening on the other side. Yeah. Uh, so this movie was actually based on a play called Dancer. Okay. Uh, which pre- premiered in 1998. Um, he said almost every frame of Billy Elliot was influenced by uh, Step by Step, which was another book, huh. um, uh, a photographer book, a photographer's book about a dancing school, um, is also what it was what it was kind of based on. Uh, at first, the director Stephen Dalger was not uh, convinced overall with the script, but he said he liked the emotional honesty, and he liked the series of themes that he found in it, like grief, uh, f- finding means of self identification. Uh, and the minor strike itself, and then eventually, you know, he said, "Okay, I'll I'll do it, I'll do it," and they yeah. reworked the script a little bit. Um, as you can imagine, Jason, with a movie like this, they auditioned thousands of young actors mm-hmm. to play uh, Billy Elliot. Um, Jamie Bell had about seven auditions in total before he had this one, so he's very early on in his life as an actor. Mm-hmm. Um. He worked with the choreographer for eight hours a day for three months um, to, f- to figure out, like, you know, how he would uh, do his dance scenes. Yeah. But the real problem, the real the real hard thing during this film, Jason, during the filming of this, yeah. was that they had so many kids, and mm. there's a lot of rules about when you can film with minors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the director said, you know, the shooting schedule was a nightmare. We only had seven weeks kids can only work nine to five and you can't work Saturdays mm-hmm. and the kid had to dance the whole time. So yeah. it was tight. Yeah. He said, uh, the producer said, we didn't realize how hard it would be to find working pits. Wow. Yeah. It, uh, for the, for the minds, right? Mm. Um, there's a movie as you, uh, I think you alluded to earlier. It was a stage musical after. Yes. Um, with, uh, worked on by Elton John actually, oh. uh, along with the screenwriter. And a very successful stage show ran from 2008 to 2012 and won 10 Tony Awards. Damn. Yeah. Um, I would I would be interested to see this as a musical. Yeah, it'd be fascinating, I'm sure. Uh, this movie uh, holds an approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes of 85%. Uh, the consensus is Billy Elliot is a charming movie that can evoke both laughter and tears. Roger Ebert said the movie was as much parable and fantasy as it is realistic. He said Bell's performance was engaging. Lewis was convincing, and Walters was spirited and colorful. The Guardian said this is a film with a lot of charm, a lot of humor, and a lot of heart. Daldry's direction and the screenplay by Lee Hall distinguished themselves further in the discreet, intelligent way. Billy Elliot has a freshness that makes it a pleasure to watch. It's a very emphatic success. Um, some critics were a little bit more mixed. Time Out Magazine said Daldry overuses the dance as a metaphor for escape and frustration. <laughs> Um, and choreographer Peter Darling's grandstanding ballet numbers sit a little uneasily given the realist comedy pitch. 
Uh, New York Times says, uh, the first half seems to acknowledge its own triteness, uh, but the, the he did like the pacing of the scenes and the actors. Um, and then IndieWire said there was an odd, unsuccessful mix of theatrical whimsy and social realism. <laughs> um, this does uh, go to the Oscars, my friend. Mm-hmm. Does not win anything, but it is nominated for three awards. What do you think? Uh, I would say, like, best soundtrack. Is that an award? Best score? Uh, okay, what else? Uh, best adapted screenplay and best supporting actor for the guy that played his dad. So despite what I just said about being based on something, it was actually nominated for best original screenplay. Oh, okay. Uh, best original screenplay that year went to Cameron Crowe for Almost Famous. Oh, that's a great movie. Yeah, um, it was also up for Best Director, oh. uh, but it would go to Steven Soderbergh for Traffic. Oh, yes. And it was also nominated for Best Supporting Actress for Julie Walters. Oh. Um, but that year, it went to Marsha Gay Harden for the film Pollock. Oh, yes, with Ed Harris. Yes. America's Dad. Yep. <laughs> But, Jason, it goes to the BAFTAs and is nominated for a shit ton. I'm going to go through this quickly here. Sure. Um, these are the ones it does not win. Best Film, Best Direction, uh, Most Promising Newcomer for the director Stephen Daldry and Lee Hall, both nominated, neither one win. Best Original Screenplay, Best Actor in a Supporting Role for Gary Lewis, uh, Anthony Asquith Award for Film Music, Best Cinematography, Best Editing, Best Sound. Those are the ones that does not win. Yeah. It does win uh, Best Supporting Actress for Julie Walters. Nice. It does win Best Actor for Jamie Bell. Beautiful. Uh, youngest one, I think, that ever won the BAFTA for acting. And it wins Best British Film. Boom, the big one. The biggie. It did it. Fucking right. Yeah. So it's uh, very successful, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, just want to mention, too, just before we move on, it cost $5 million to make. And it made just shy of $110 million. Now that, ladies and gentlemen, is a return. A return to normalcy. That's right. As Liz Cheney said about the recent midterm elections. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. At least somewhat more normalcy. (laughs) Uh, But Jason, we talked about this movie. I want to know what you think. And does it go on the list? Yes, no, maybe. I'm of two minds on this movie. On one hand, this is a really well-made movie. It is fantastic to watch. It's very enjoyable. Uh, Jamie Bell, fantastic in this movie, uh, especially for like an early role in this guy's career. Amazing. Uh, supporting cast, great. My issue with this movie is that it is a very, like like structurally, it is a very by-the-numbers sort of like coming-of-age tale. It, it hits kind of the common beats and it doesn't really do anything that outside the norm. Now, I don't want that to take away from the fact that this is a fantastic movie, but also I feel like there's we've seen some far more interesting coming of age tales. Yeah. Say, but like, so this is a, you know, I hate to waffle, but this is a maybe for me because while I don't think you can go wrong with watching this movie. It's a great feel-good tale. I, I don't know that it's kind of conventional structure necessarily holds up to be on this list, but we'll we'll find out. Now, Brendan, what did you think about this movie? Well, I also think it's a strong film, and I was also leaning the same way you were leaning, mm-hmm. actually. I think this is a maybe, and I, and I agree that for the most part, 
it's it's pretty straightforward. It's mm. pretty much what you expect. Now that having been said, it is a solid movie, uh, full of great performances, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's it's a feel good movie. It's a it's an it's a crowd pleaser for sure, for sure, one hundred percent. Maybe maybe it being such an obvious crowd pleaser is like clouding my uh, my my judgment, my ability to be like, oh, this is one of the greats, you know. I think you. I think that just happens naturally. It's like, oh, it's a crowd pleaser. Oh, lowest common denominator. Easy, easy sentiment. You know, I don't know. Maybe not. Who knows? But you know, like, like, watch this movie. One hundred percent. Watch this movie. It, it's enjoyable as fuck. Whether this ends up on the list or not, though, I don't know. We're gonna have to find out. Jason, I gotta say, for two guys who drank a lot of alcohol and smoked a lot of marijuana tonight, I think we did a pretty good job. I think we should give ourselves a round of applause. We should. Yes, absolutely. Goddamn professionals, you and me, Brendan. One of our shorter recordings. <laughs> <laughs> Get this done and out the door. Nobody needs to fuck around. So now we've reached the time. We knew, we've reached the time where we normally would spin a wheel here mm-hmm. and uh, figure out what movie on the list we're going to talk about next week. But our last chunk of episodes here. Listen, we're you know we're a few weeks out from Christmas vacation. Um, not National Lampoons, but mm-hmm. just in general. Um, so you know we're kind of winding down. So we're gonna take we're gonna take it easy for the next couple episodes. Yeah. Um, we're gonna give each other a Christmas present. Exactly. Yes, and and Jason, basically what that means is you know there are movies, there are a lot of movies. There are so <laughs> that, many, so many movies, Brennan. I was gonna say there are a lot of movies that that I mentioned that Jason goes, I have not seen that film, mm-hmm. and so this was like my way of fixing that yeah and of, co- of course jason you know i'm sure you have found ones that uh, vice versa sure so i will I hand the floor over to you yeah. because you now I, I mean you're going to watch this too yeah. we're both going to watch this but Absolutely. this is this is gonna be a first time watch for me yeah so jason tell me what is your christmas gift to me and uh what yeah what are we watching well, Brendan, as you know, I'm a massive Star Trek fan. Oh, here And we go. I've been struggling between a couple of choices as to which Star Trek movie to make you watch. Now, I know it's not a British movie, but this is a Christmas present, so we can choose whatever we want. It's right. our podcast, so fuck you if you don't want to agree to this. Uh, there's plenty of other podcasts you can listen to. Jesus, Jason. <laughs> but um, I think for the historical context and for the sheer production value of it and and, you know, I am going to make Brendan watch what might be my favorite Star Trek film. I've been struggling for a long time between two of them. Is it the one with the whales? We are going to watch, I'm going to make Brendan watch Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, which is the final voyage of the original crew from TOS. But uh, it is also a fascinating um, Cold War allegory. Uh, featuring, uh, you know, the original cast, your William Shatner, your Leonard Nimoy, but also featuring the great Canadian actor uh, Christopher Plummer in a prime villain role as General Chang, and also the wonderful late David Warner as uh, J- uh, Chancellor Gorkon. So I am choosing Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, to show Brendan. And I'm sorry, did you say Christopher Plummer plays a character named Chang? General Chang, who is a Klingon warrior. Okay, okay. Because I heard Chang and I yeah, thought, oh I, underst- I understand your concern. He's a Klingon. It's fine. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, Star Trek Six. There we go. We'll 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 talk about it next week. It's not going to be the usual fucking dragged out nonsense. Yeah. 
Let's just trash our own show right yeah. now. <laughs> it, it's, it's not our usual fucking horse shit. It's not our usual uh, entire analysis and everything like that. But that's what we're going to do. Jason's yeah. Jason's making me watch a Star Trek film, God damn it. That's right. Um, I think his only regret is that he won't be here to watch it with me. I know. I wish I could sit and watch it with you. I would make fun of it. Make fun of it. Well, I, as a Star Trek fan, one of the one of the things that is all that as a Star Trek fan, the thing that is almost as good as watching Star Trek is also making fun of Star Trek. So, because oh. uh, it, it there are definitely parts that are worthy of uh, mockery, and I'm sad I can't be here to watch it with you. What a non toxic fandom thing to say. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, there we go. Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country. Is that what you the said? Undiscovered Country. The undiscovered it's from country. Shakespeare. Okay. What? It's from. Uh, it's from the Hamlet. It's from the Hamlet soliloquy. You know, uh, the Undiscovered Country, the future. Gotcha. All right. Well, there you go. Um, so we'll talk about that next week in some form or another. Uh, but Jason, they can find us all over the place. We're, We're on everywhere. All the podcast apps. Our home base is Age of Radio. Just go to ageofradio.org slash for screen. And Or just search for us on any podcast app. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we're on Twitter at FSACpod, as in for screen. And Gundre. Podcast. Jason, what about you? Uh, where are you at uh, well, these days? You got Mastodon. I know, mm. you're, I know you're being real. I'm I'm mainly still hanging out over on Twitter as that ship sinks into the depths of the Marianas Trench. So check me out over there at Jason D. McLeod. That's mm. M-A-C-L-E-O-D. Come on over and let's watch it burn together. Yeah, buy him an eight dollar check mark. Please. I, I don't I'm not paying him money, but if you want to spend it, I'm not gonna tell you not to. <laughs> um all right, well there you go. So until next week when I uh break Jason's heart after watching a Star Trek movie. <laughs> And all I got to say to you, Jason, is God save the king. And send him some bling. And for Screening Country, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. Star Trek. Nothing but Star Trek. Is that how it goes? That's pretty much it, yeah. You can-